worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise. Let the warriors arise to fight. Let the warriors arise. Let the warriors arise to fight. Let the worshipers arise. Let them hear our battle cry as we sing. fighting for us and the battle's been won so lay down your weapons in the presence of the Lord here on holy ground take off your shoes stand in his presence because the army of the Lord is at hand and the victory's been won oh just surrender just surrender just surrender we're gonna be able to put back that armor on and be ready to go back into a fight in a little bit but he's got it covered this morning it's no coincidence there have been words of angels surrounding this place and in this place. They are protecting. They are an assignment from the king. So you can worship. So you can rest here in his presence. Because better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your course. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. We're going to go back into worship in just a second. I just feel like, you know, when Will shared that, it just reminded me, you know, the, a lot of things I, I will tell to friends and uh, maybe you might not have heard me say this, but about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, you just wouldn't believe the number of people, about 10 to 12 people, um, four from out of state, two by email, two by text, 
and about eight in this building, all in the same week, said, I just, I have a word for you. God says he sent angels to your church. Now, God's word says he makes a confirmation through two or three witnesses, right? How about 10 or 12, right? I mean, I just, I feel like, I feel like God just wants you to just close your eyes for a minute. And if it's okay, well, if we could just, you know, play, but, but not sing for a minute. I just want you to close your eyes and just be aware of God. Can we do that? Just be aware that God has said he has sent angels to this house. Guys, a a text from someone in Columbus, an email from a lady in Lima, Ohio. I mean, people all in the same week sent me and Danielle messages saying, I want to tell you, I was praying for you. And God said, there are angels in your building. Can you just close your eyes right now and say, God, make me aware of who you are. With all that swirling around us and all the information and bad news, just be aware right now of the good news of heaven that Jesus is with you. His angels are ministering to you. If you can, let the Holy Spirit anoint your imagination. Imagine them. That imagination was given to you by God. Imagine them right now. Maybe they're 20 feet tall. Maybe they're at every corner. Maybe they're standing next to you. Let the Holy Spirit anoint your imagination. Make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of your goodness, God. We 
Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. How we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. How we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. Cause you are faithful. You're faithful. You're just. Your name is beyond compare. Your truth is your word, oh God. Oh, you fulfill your promises. Oh, you are the King of glory. So come and show your glory here in this place. Here in this place. You are the King of glory. So come and show your majesty. struggling to sleep that night. I woke up, I went outside and I saw a vision and we're going to sing that vision because I wrote it down in a song. And just in the last couple months, I've been having these dreams and visions very much like this. And basically the Lord is saying, you better be ready because I'm coming. And he's going to do a great new thing. And what we as the church need to do is just realize we want it to look this way. And what if God says, I want to do what, even in this service, I want it to look this way. I prepared these, these songs, this message, and God says, but I want to do this. So can we as a church right now just surrender? We know we're in a fight. We know we're in a battle. We know that, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And I just feel like he wants to, it's like we're at a gas station right now. He wants to refill you right now. You don't have to drive around with a quarter tank in your spirit feeling like, man, I need refilled. Father, refill right now, Holy Spirit. And as we sing this song of this vision, Lord God, would you outpour your spirit and do whatever it is that you want to do, Jesus.
looking up at the sky and writing this down and I started to hear a sound <laughs> I never put it together until literally this moment every time I drive to this church and I've said it at a mercy here that the Lord has said listen for the sound of revival listen for the sound of revival there's going to be a sound that comes out of the church. And I don't know if that means songs or a trumpet call or what it is, but there's a sound coming. And church, we need to be ready to listen to his voice and yes, shout the truth. But at the same time, we have to not shout as much so that we can hear the truth. Does that make sense? So let's listen to him. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Jehovah Rapha, 
Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah God, Jehovah, you're the king of it all. Come on, church, just let's let this chord ring out and let's lift up a sound today. Even if it's a prayer, even if it's telling him that he's holy, oh, Jesus, it's your name, oh, Jesus. Jesus, you're the king of it all, you're the Lord of it all, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the healer of see a woman who uh, either you or your mom used to have cancer and it was a long time ago and in the last week you've been starting to have that fear come back of is it coming back feel like there's a word this morning for somebody that that, that, that healing was 100%, it wasn't 90%. And everything around us wants to fear everything. God says, you are my child, you are my daughter. And for anybody else in this place that I know all of our focus is on the coronavirus. And yes, we ask for healing for that, obviously. And God, we ask that you would intervene, that you would be who you say you are. But, but God, you care about all those things. You care about every healing. So this morning, if you need a spiritual heal- healing or a physical healing, would you just receive it? Could we just put out our hands like this? And God, we receive, God, a blessing from you today. We, we are here to worship you, but God, I just feel like you love to bless your children and do good things for your children. And you call, you're our friend, God. You are, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet you call me friend. And you care about every little thing, every provision, every dime that is needed to provide in this place, God. Over every business represented that doesn't know what tomorrow might bring, we speak the peace of Jesus Christ and we receive Father, whatever it is that you want to outpour today, but we take down the box of saying that it has to look this way or it has to be this disease or it has to be something else that you heal and you just do what you do, God. Sing a new song to him who sits on. 
I just I just heard Isaiah 51 real loud in my spirit. I didn't even know, you know, what it says, but I just want to read this to you. This is powerful. We're going to go back into that, if you don't mind, Will. Listen to this. Go back to the top here. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the, to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. The Lord comforts Zion. How many realize you are God's people? You are Zion, okay? He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden. Do you hear that? He makes your wilderness like Eden. How many imagine Eden was a beautiful garden, right? Her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness. Come on, raise your hand if you need some joy and gladness. Raise it nice and high right now. Receive this right now. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of a song. The voice of a song. And that confirms what Will was sharing. And Andre Venzel and others shared many times that there will be a sound come out of this building. Give attention to me, my people. Give ear to me, my nation. A law will go out from me, and I will set justice for a light to the peoples. But my righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms. You hear all that possessive? My salvation, my righteousness, my justice, my arms will judge all people. As they wait, lift up your eyes to heavens. Would you just do that? Come on, let's not make it a metaphor. Lift up your eyes to heaven right now. Look at the heavens. Right? It says, even the heavens will wear out like a garment. The earth will wear out like a garment. But my salvation will be forever. Just look up to God right now and thank him that his salvation is forever. When everything in your life seems shaken, if you're owning a business right now and you think, I can't handle another shutdown. If you work for a business and you think, I can't handle, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? No. Fix your eyes on heaven right now. If you're online right now, fix your eyes on heaven. I don't care if you're sitting on your couch. Get off your couch. Get off your couch and lift up your hands to heaven. Lift up your face to heaven and say, God, I put my trust in you. My salvation is in you. My joy is not dependent upon my circumstance. My joy comes from you. Lord, like David said, where can I look up? But I look up to you where my help comes from. Where else can I look up? No, Lord, I look up to where my help comes from. Father, thank you for your word. I love this last one here, verse 8. My salvation is to all generations. Awake, awake. Isn't that what we were just singing? That's so cool. God has a word for you today. Awake, awake. Put on strength. You know, there's a receiving. There's a, there's a partnership in you saying yes to God for what he wants to give you. Amen? We love you, Lord. We worship you. Can we go into that again, that chorus? We worship you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
sing praise to you, the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy. Come on, fix your eyes on heaven. The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. fix our hearts attention on you Jesus can you see him again just let the Lord anoint your imagination right now can you see him can you see fire in his eyes can you see him coming back for you his bride can you see that love in his countenance can you see that holiness in who he is Can you see the power in which he stands? How many just would slip up your hand if you feel like you're seeing him a little better right now? Come on, amen. I knew it, yeah. I know I am. Let's just wait here a little longer. God, help us to see you. Anoint our imagination, Lord, to see you. Quicken our spirit, the real us, the real us that goes on to be with you forever quicken our spirit remind us that which we were sealed for sealed for that day of redemption sealed for that moment when you rend the heavens and come down Jesus can't wait to see you things I love about this church and my dad was the same way we're not in a hurry I know there's things to do and there's videos that we made for today and such but I don't know I just I just don't see Jesus as the type if he was holding a service that say well this song is going to be three and a half minutes and the next song is going to be three minutes and 42 seconds and and I, I can respect when churches do that but I just I know that for us God we want you to speak I want to be open Lord I want to read this to you this is also from Isaiah oh that you would rend the heavens and come down feel his presence so strong right now I want to say it again oh that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence what's the mountain in your life what's the mountain in your life is it cancer is it fear of employment is it, is it fear of that virus what's the mountain let it quake in the presence of God I said let it quake in the presence of God Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains 
might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, when you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Did you hear that last phrase? Who acts for those who wait for him. Those who wait for him. How many say, well, that's me. I'm waiting for the Lord to act on my behalf. I don't, I don't have it all together. I'm not my own solution. I wait for the Lord. You meet him with joyful, who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned in our sins. We have been a long time and shall we be saved? We've all become like one who, are un, who is unclean. And our, righteousness, our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And we fade like a leaf. There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. But now, Lord, you are our Father. You see how he comes back to the truth of who God is despite who we are at times. Listen to this. You, O Lord, are our Father. Can you just reach up your your hands to heavens and say, you are my Father. Wow. The next line, we are the clay and you are the potter. The work of your hand. One of the most famous scriptures, right? And all the word, we are the clay You are the potter. Guys, he has you in his hands. He has you in his hands. For those of you that are tuning in online, he has you in his hands. We are the work of your hand. Wow. Lord, help us to recalibrate this morning as your people as your people. I just feel like he wants you to hear that right now. You are the people of God. It's almost like that verse we read from Isaiah 51, right? You are Zion. You are the people of God. God has grafted you in to the people of Israel. You're the people of God. Thank you, Lord. It's hard to even know where to go from here, but I just know that God is speaking to us today. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. I want you to stay in this attitude of worship, if you will. Can we thank the worship team? And also, I want to thank Mason. Just totally did great on sound. Can you give Mason a hand? Great job. I actually just went, I I walked back there and said, Mason, great job. Just mixing is an art form because there's so many things to to try to make heard, and that it's a challenge. So great job, guys. So thankful for our teams. So when we do offering here in a minute, um, we're going to do it a little bit different because we're really light on ushers today. And so what, what Kathy and Ron and the crew put together is that on your way out, you're going to drop it in the mercy box. So um, maybe, Craig, if you could just point at that box and everybody just look back in the corner there, um, you're going to drop it. There. Does that make sense? All right. So right there. 
But uh, we just have a couple announcements for you real quick. Again, welcome to Rock of Grace. Uh, I know most of you know this, but we are leading people to follow Jesus together. That's what we're passionate about. We're not passionate about leading you to follow a man together or a program together. We are leading you to follow Jesus, the most beautiful name there is. Can everybody say Jesus? So please grab a, a, a Connect card and throw that uh, in the offering plate or on, in the Welcome Center. And especially update, if you didn't get our text this week, raise your hand if you did not get our text this week. We sent out two texts. Okay, so if you didn't, then you've got to let us know so that way we can communicate with you all quickly and efficiently. Um, also, just a quick reminder, I want to throw up that, that graphic of the Bible app. We don't have a lot of announcements today, just two real quick. Um, how many of you, if you don't mind, uh, are following along with the Bible app? Just raise your hand. Oh, good. About three-fourths of you. That's awesome. Maybe more. So uh, it's really cool because we're doing the New Testament a year. We're all on the same page and reading that together, kind of learning together. Many life groups actually use it uh, as their discussion points is what they're, what they're learning there, that or the sermon. So we're thankful so much uh, for that app that Life Church TV made available. So praise God for them. Uh, also, just a friendly reminder about youth group on Wednesday nights. We have a blast with the youth. I'm actually in rotation uh, with the other pastors out there ministering. And we've had a good turnout. We've had about 30 or 40 out there and uh, people worshiping, kids worshiping. Uh, I, because I was in charge the other day, I went full 90s youth pastor. Can I get a witness? And anybody who grew up in youth group and played the gross games? Anyone, just raise your hand if you, if you did the whole youth group thing from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so we went old school the other day. Uh, I want to invite up the ushers. Actually, we're not going to invite the ushers. I just remembered. See how I did that out of habit? How about this? Prepare your gift. Maybe say that. Just prepare your gift, and, and that way you can set it by your, your Bible or person and just drop it in on the way out. But let's still pray over the offering. Can we do that? Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God, I thank you for the, the man who broke down in tears that I visited at his home this week, telling me how grateful he was for that that check from the Compassion Fund. God, I thank you for this church being like the book of Acts. And it's, Lord, that's been my prayer uh, since I began here three years ago, that we would be the church that God started. And, Lord, I see that day in and day out. So thank you for the faithfulness and the compassion of your people to do your work, to build your church. Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Well, we're going to jump right into the My Story Part 2. How many enjoyed those testimonies last week? Was that powerful or what? And so today you're going to be really blessed to hear these. So I don't have any popcorn for you. I apologize, but we're going to dim the lights and you can lean back if you want. Just don't fall asleep or I'll pull a Mark Beal. I'll just come right up to you and clap in your face, okay? Uh, No, let's watch this. Let's watch these testimonies. I'm Nikki Culver, and this is the story of how God's grace transformed me. When I was a teenager, I went through some traumatizing things, and I decided to fix myself with food, with drugs, with horrible choices that ultimately led me down a horrible path. 
Well, when I was 15, I um, got attention by the wrong people. Ended up having a baby when I was 15, which obviously in high school, people talked trash without knowing like the whole story. And um, it made me feel worthless. And I took on lies that weren't mine to take on. And um, I felt betrayed by the situation that was about anyways. Um, I felt betrayed by my family and it made me live recklessly. And food was one of those things, on top of drugs and other reckless choices. And then um, ultimately I ended up in jail because I was making horrible choices because I was angry and resentful. And I thought I'd pay everybody back for the things that I had experienced. When I was in jail, um, there obviously wasn't much to do. So for jokes, we would always go to church. And I, it was a while, and every week I would go to church, and eventually the ladies that were ministering to us would actually take time to care, but not just care, but they spoke life over us and encouraged us to change our lives and to believe what God says about us. And during that time, I started to read my Bible, and then I actually started to believe that God could love me even though I was a complete mess. So I got saved in jail and um, when I came out I didn't fully transform my life. I was on the fence. I knew I needed God but also lived halfway in the world. And later on in life I um, started believing total lies that I wasn't worth love, I would never amount to anything. I was garbage and worthless, and I believed every lie that the devil fed me, every single one. And the more I believed, the more horrible choices I made. And after a while of living this reckless life, I got saved. And um, even though I was saved, I never fully got my mind transformed, and I still listened to those voices that told me I was not going to measure up. Just recently, in January, I really started to press in with God and I really started to dig into His Word and I sat down with some great people and really sought the Lord to like renew my mind and renew my heart and turn my life around totally. And I never really realized that I still carried all those lies from the devil and I still listened to them, even all these years later. And that day in January, I surrendered everything and I asked God to come into my heart and to rewrite my story, to rewrite the things that I had listened to and to renew my mind from all the lies that I believed. And that day, my life completely changed. I know that God loves me. I know who I am in Christ. I am valuable. I am worthy. No amount of food, no amount of drugs, no amount of bad choices will ever be able to fill the spot that is only there for God to fill. Nothing in this world can fulfill it. And that day, I decided that no longer was food going to be what I used as God, essentially, to fulfill the needs inside of me. God now fulfills the needs inside of me. And January 8th, I started with watching what I was eating and whatever. And honestly, there's no explanation, but God took every single desire that was inside of me for anything that was not of Him. So I have not had one slip up, not one cheat meal, not one nothing. I have not had any sweets, no bread, no nothing since January 8th. And I've lost over 120 pounds, all with God. 
95% God and 5% me. That's literally the only explanation. I've been, like I said, I've done thousands of diets, I've done multiple other things, and it always ended up in the same answer, the same result was always horrible because I was in charge. But when I surrendered it to God, He took charge. He renewed my mind. He showed me the steps that I needed to take. And He took away the things that were not of Him and replaced them with things that were Him. So my thing is, don't think that you're ever too far. Don't think that all the things that you're doing, you are worthy, you are loved, you are valuable, and God can and will rescue you right where you're at. Hey, my name's Raymond Cox, and this is my story of God's grace. Uh, I grew up as the youngest of five kids, two older brothers and two older sisters. Me and my uh, parents living in a um, two-bedroom house, brother sharing a room, sister sharing a room. Uh, so everything was close, tight quarters. Uh, so it was either you get along or you don't get along. Um, it, we had our moments, uh, but I feel that being that close uh, as a child and growing up in that family uh, created the bond between the brothers and sisters that I have and the parents that I have today. Um, we didn't have much. We we didn't ask for much because we knew that that the income coming in was only from mom and dad or from dad. I started that summer going into my freshman year. I started going uh, to church with my uh, aunt at uh, Bristol United Methodist. Uh, really enjoyed it, had a really good youth, um, got involved with uh, extracurricular stuff with the church, and, and it became part of me. Um, tried to go every time I had the opportunity to go with her. Um, going back, my, my mom and dad was never uh, a pusher of church. Um, we had an old bus driver that used to take us uh, here and there uh, to church. Um, they never turned us away. My parents never turned us away from not going. Um, they they have Christ in their life. Matter of fact, I just found out uh, a couple weeks ago that my mother accepted Christ a long time ago in her life, and um, I never knew that. But going back, uh, getting involved with church and uh, being part of that uh, youth and doing things with with uh, the kids and stuff, I got to experience a whole nother side of what God meant to me. And um, we had the opportunity to go to a uh, missionary group 
um, down at Henderson. Um, we helped clean things up. We built fences. We mowed grass. Uh, it was just just exactly what I enjoyed doing, helping others, um, and, and got to meet some good people. So there, uh, each and every night, we used to have talent night, and anybody from all over. Now there's multiple churches, so there was churches from everywhere, youth that was involved. And um, one evening, uh, talent show turned into uh, accepting God in your life. Uh, and, and I knew at that moment, I knew at that moment that that was what I was supposed to do. And as I stood up, there was multiple teenagers from our church that came with me. Um, and I accepted the Lord that day uh, as my Lord and Savior. Um, felt different. Uh, everything seemed right. Got back home that summer and told my story to my parents. Um, and I was just living life. Um, knowing that God was part of my life, that, that he's going to lead me in the right direction. Throughout uh, school, uh, my soft, freshman, sophomore year, that summer of my sophomore year, we ended up going back to a church, uh, another camp. It was a Henderson Settlement. We went there, got involved with the um, same, same thing, with people uh, helping them out, uh, just knowing what you were doing for them people. They, they were just gratefully uh, accepting what we did and, and didn't understand why we were doing it for them. But but I knew in my heart that um, this is what God wanted us to do. And we were there for a reason. Um, so after my sophomore year, um, I become to the point where I was, our church started making changes. And our church uh, youth pastor, she ended up getting married. Uh, met a gentleman and moved to Cincinnati. Uh, after that happened, our actual pastor, uh, she stepped down uh, and it turned over to somebody else. There was no more youth. Um, they were having trouble finding a youth. Uh, so it kind of went away. And, and I started second guessing myself of what's the purpose of being here. All the funds gone. And, um, you know, I, I don't need to be here. So I resorted to, instead of Sunday morning going to uh, church, I was using Sunday morning to recover from having a good time with my friends on the weekends. And what I mean by that was I turned myself to alcohol and drugs. Uh, the alcohol was the, the, my key, my go-to, um, and, and it weighed a lot on me, uh, and it took a lot on me. Uh, church was no more God was no more and, and uh, it was alcohol I replaced it with alcohol so throughout my sophomore junior year uh, and into even into my senior year uh, that was pretty much my life was alcohol um, I got into some points where um, didn't know where I was at didn't know what I was doing and why I was here uh, would get into fights not only with people I didn't know but even uh, my best friends at the time uh, and that's probably the hardest part was uh, dealing with that and knowing knowing that um, they're your friend uh, but at that time you didn't care 
So my senior year of high school, I was willing to give blood for Red Cross. And um, a couple weeks later, I received a letter to mail stating that um, I was, they had found traces of hepatitis C in my body. Um, I brushed it off at first. I was like, no, this can't be me. You know, I'm, I'm too healthy to have this. And then after reading into it, um, knowing the, the side effects of hepatitis C and um, not aware of it completely, I got second opinions from my doctor. Um, and then my doctor at the time happened to be a doctor that my sister worked for. Um, so I feel that it was my sister that pressed the doctor to have me go through some type of study um, or at least have me checked out further to see where I was at. So as I got tested further, um, I was, uh, hepatitis C goes into stages. You have four stages. I was a uh, late stage two, early stage three. Once you get to four, um, it creates cirrhosis of the liver. So there's nothing they can really much do for you. Um, and, and because of me with the heavy drinking over the years, not knowing how long I've had the hepatitis C, uh, I was more towards stage three. She pushed and pushed for me to go to um, a test study up at Cleveland University Hospital. 2009 is when I decided that I finally need to go get treatments. There wasn't, um, I, I guess I was doing it because I was tired of hearing it from everybody, <coughs> uh, especially my sister. <laughs> and um, so finally I, I got into a test study and I did this treatment. Um, when I first went to do the assessment and sign up for the treatment, there was a big rule sheet on things that I can and can't do for the next 72 weeks. One of the things that I could not do, absolutely, was have alcohol. Um, I hesitated because that was my go-to. and um, But I, I know that my life was more important, being here was more important than than taking that chance. So I accepted the treatment and uh, it was 72 weeks of absolute hell. Uh, I dealt with um, depression. I dealt with suicide thoughts multiple, multiple times. Um, you find out who your friends are uh, when this stuff happens. Uh, it was, it was tough. Um, I was mean to my family, um, not because of like withdrawals of the alcohol, but I was mean just because of the medication that I was on and it was all new, um, not even on the market. So they wasn't sure of the side effects and, uh, 72 weeks was tough. <clears throat> I lost a lot of weight, um, they almost pulled me from the program because of my weight loss. Um, I dealt with the relationship that was off and on um, with the girl. Then I, I put through hell myself. She, she dealt with a lot of stuff. So after the treatment, um, everything went well. And, and I felt that's where the transition of my life started changing because now that I look back, I know that, that there was a reason that the hepatitis C was part of my life. Um, 
God knew that he could not intervene in my life because I was so hooked on alcohol that his only way, that I feel that his only way was to get me to understand was, and I'm not saying that he put that on me, but that it was a trigger. It was a, it was a reality check that, hey, um, I don't need this stuff. And I got hired in at the job that I'm at now. And I met a, na a gentleman named Jeff Benton. And uh, Jeff pressed into me multiple, multiple times about going back to church. And I always had questions with him about going back to church. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm scared. Like, I walked away from him. I walked away from God. I walked away from everything because I chose alcohol. And Jeff told me that it doesn't matter how long you're away. He's always there in open arms waiting for you to come back. And I always, um, <clears throat> the song Re Reckless Love has um, is a part of my life because I feel like that I was that lost sheep uh, and he left everything else behind to come and find me, find the one. And um, when, when I finally got the courage to go back to church, it was a blessing. I met my wife. Uh, she was in my brother's wedding. Uh, she was on and off with the relationship. I was on and off with the relationship, but we always kept in contact. Um, I've, I finally gave up on the situation with trying to take her out on a date um, <laughs> because I kept getting the wrong messages. But uh, we finally got together. She always came to our family's 4th of July party. And she was absolutely amazing um, we just hit it off then um, I felt like the relationship was completely different or, or it was going to be different um, I tried to change my ways on how I approached past relationships to this relationship because you know they were always screwed up uh, and I've always wanted to have kids and, and one of the things that um, through this program that I was told that I, there was a good chance that I wouldn't be able to have kids. And um, that was something that I had to accept. But I always told in my mind that if I ever reached the age of 35 that um, I didn't want to have kids because I didn't, I didn't want to them to grow. I, I guess 35 is not old, but <laughs> I just, that was in my mindset. I didn't want to have kids after 35. So I accepted that through that test study. So going back to meeting my wife, um, she was faced with obstacles and stuff too. And we were together for, for uh, eight months. And uh, she was also told that she couldn't have kids either. And, and that was a strain on herself uh, through a previous marriage um, because that's what they wanted. So we got together eight months. And eight months later, um, we were surprised that we were having a, a baby. Um, I was super excited. August 10th, uh, 2015, uh, we brought Peyton Blake uh, into our life. Um, he has been a blessing to us. Um, you couldn't ask for a kinder kid. Um, we're just so happy to have him in our life. And um, as Peyton got older, um, Nicole and I started talking about getting involved with church and raising our kid in the church setting. Um, 
we felt like that that was the best thing for him but not only for him but for us um it's something that always weighed on me and, and talking with jeff i wanted to do and never had the opportunity to do um but there was a motivation there between both of us wanting to get involved uh, so we started weighing out our options um and then I met a gentleman at work, and I knew him prior to this, but I didn't know him as a Christian. Um, his name was Dennis Madorma, and uh, I told him about getting involved with the church, and he said, hey, man, you got you got to come to Rocket Grace. He said, it's family-oriented. Uh, it's a good group of people. They're just, they love Jesus. And I said, eh, we'll give it a shot. And you know, when you go through service and... and um, you have an upbeat pastor that that just cares so much about God, um, and everything that he was hitting on that day was exactly what we both needed to hear. And um, we left that day, pulling out of the parking lot, looking at each other, and said, "This is our church." Um, and there was there was no looking back. We've been going ever since. Um, we we now are. Um, my wife and I, a year ago in September, started taking on um, foster kids. We we got licensed to be foster care adoption parents. Uh, that's where God started moving in me and moving in my wife. Um, I felt like that I needed to accept God back into my life because of everything that I'd done to Him, uh, and it wasn't fair. Um, I'm not sure what time frame it was. It was within in that year um, that I accepted uh, God again uh, and, and renewed that with Him as my Lord and Savior. Um, shortly after that, I do believe it was in March the following year, uh, we got baptized, uh, me and my wife both together. And um, when it comes to my wife, she... She means everything to me, and um, I really feel that God put her in my life like she was meant for me. Uh, she's my rock. Uh, she's someone I can turn to. She keeps me grounded, um, and she just knows what's best uh, for everything. I always, like I said, wanted kids, never had the opportunity in multiple relationships constantly ask God why 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 can't I have kids you know I don't understand what I did wrong you know um, I know now why because God had her for me and she uh, is amazing wife friend mother that anyone can ask for we uh, like I said are now foster care adoption parents uh, involved with the church and um, we just enjoy every minute that we do. Uh, everything that we do is because of God. It's because of His grace uh, and what He has done for us. Uh, we feel that we have to give back to Him. And um, each and there's not a day that goes by that that I don't thank Him for what He done to my life and, and pulled me out of that addiction. Um, and knowing that that there is. Um, you know, there's, there's, um, what do I want to say? There's nothing 
nothing greater than him and that feeling of knowing that he's a part of you and he's always there. I just want to say for anyone that's there that is struggling with alcohol, struggling with depression, struggling with suicide, um, it's tough. It is tough. It's, it's, a, it's a dark road. Um, but having God in your life and accepting him and, and knowing that no matter what, in your deepest and darkest places, he's always there. All you have to do is ask. Um, he will show his way um, and know that, that uh, he loves you. Uh, whether you know that or not, he loves you and he cares about you so much. Um, and there's nothing that he wouldn't do for you. Uh, because he, he showed it in me. And um, I'm very thankful for that. Before we play this third video, I just want to take a moment and say a couple things and read this verse that the Lord just put on my heart here. Uh, I didn't know Will was going to be singing out of Revelation so much, and the Lord had given me this passage out of Revelation. And I want to tell you, if you're tuning in online, or if you're here this morning, and you're dealing with an addiction, I want to tell you, Jesus has conquered that, and you can conquer that. I want to read to you what Scripture says about Jesus and about the accuser of the brethren, about Satan, okay? This is Revelation 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Great spot for an amen. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, I want you to hear this, guys. Because even after you give your heart to Christ, I, I really want you to hear me because maybe you've been following Jesus for five, ten years and, and you lately have been hearing the accuser of the brethren. On Friday, I was at a church in Akron and the Lord uh, pointed out a lady and uh, I knew she loved the Lord. I knew she loved the Lord. I knew she was following Jesus. And I said, but in the last week, you have been tormented in your mind, especially when you lay down and when you drive. And she just started weeping. And, and here's the thing. She was being tormented by the accuser, reminding her of her sins from sins in her 20s and 30s. How many realize that the revelation also says that when all is revealed, 
the nations, everybody, Pastor Ben, everybody in the world will look at the accuser and say, that little twerp, I added the word twerp, but that little thing deceived the nations. Don't let that little twerp get in your head. Elijah, don't let that little twerp get in your head. Trevor, Emily, Ava, don't let the accuser tell you Well, God doesn't want you. Well, you've gone too far. Well, don't forget what you did when you were 20. Don't forget what you did when you were 30. That's the accuser. Everybody say the accuser. All right, but he's been defeated. Everybody say defeated. Listen to this. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night. And they have conquered him. Now, I want you to listen to how. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now listen, I want to challenge you. Before we play this last video, everybody put your hand in your heart. Maybe say this out loud with me. I'm open for a challenge. Because here's what I know about human nature. Last week, I gave an emphatic challenge to all of you for about seven minutes. I don't know if you remember it. An emphatic challenge. I mean, I was, Pastor Ben, I was almost on my knees. Saying, over lunch... Tell your kids about your salvation story. How many remember me giving that challenge? Now, I'm not going to ask a raise of hands who did it because I know human nature. You sat down to eat and you started talking about the news and politics and sports and who's playing. Guys, your children could go off to college and never know the story of God's grace in your life. And here they've lived with you for 18 years and your kids could go off to college or to career and not know about the time when God healed you. About the time when God supernaturally provided. How many of you adults and grandparents and every, all the, anybody over 18, let's say, have a, a story of God intervening in your life? Can you just raise your hands? Probably everybody, yeah. So here's my challenge to you. If you missed it last week, I'm a nice coach. I'm giving you another chance. I'm going to put you back in the field, okay? I'm going to put you back in the game. Don't miss that today. Because you can go home and instantly you get distracted. In fact, I feel like I have a little illustration to give you just popped in my head. What if you had, Pastor Ed, we'll use Pastor Ed. What if Pastor Ed had $10 million? Do you have $10 million set aside? I don't know about maybe. Oh, he says, yes, Lord, I receive it. All right. What if he had $10 million in a savings account for his kids? But it's all that's going on. And, you know, he's got his day-to-day. He forgot to tell his kids. He just got distracted. He, he never made a will, and he never just never came up. Pastor Ed, it just never came up. And then... Your kids become 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, and suddenly they hear, Dad had $10 million in a bank account. How much more is your spiritual inheritance? How much more? How much more valuable is it for you to tell your kids about God's goodness and God's grace in your life? So don't miss that opportunity today. Over lunch, do what we call the phone stack. I do that with some of my friends. Phones are always off during meals. Phone stack off. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball. 
and tell them about God's grace. We're going to watch this last one. This last one is about how God can keep you strong in the midst of loss and grief. And maybe if you know someone that's going through that, you could share, share this video with them. All of these are posting in 15-minute incre- increments uh, today on YouTube. So share that video. Share these testimonies with them. If you know someone who's dealing with alcohol, send them Ray's story. You know? Send them Ray's story. Let's watch this last video. was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 10 in 1995 and for the next nine years Amanda's journey uh, became the focal point of our family. Uh, it, it, it was a central theme in our world and, and I had been uh, accustomed to being recognized for who I was. I was, you know, did artwork for a living and it was pretty common for me to, uh, for people to say, oh, you're the artist. <laughs> I'm the artist. And, and uh, when Amanda started going through chemo and, and these nine years of, of treatment and long hospital stays and, and interaction with teams of medical people, uh, one of the things that was really a role reversal for me was uh, I was no longer uh, recognized as the artist, but rather as Amanda's dad. And, and that became really my, uh, my identity. Uh, and it was something that was a point of pride for me, really, because I saw Amanda living by faith uh, in the face of death. Um, I saw Tony also, Tony and Amanda became almost attached at the hip for those years. And Amanda really uh, was an inspiration to, to, to me um, as she went through what she did and, and went through it with faith, never, as far as I know, never wavered, uh, attacked it. Uh, even when it came to the end, she, she really attacked it. She's got a lot of journals where she'd write, uh, you know, where she didn't know why the kids at school are mean to each other and just lots of things like that. Um, I saved all her journals, even though I haven't read all of them. And the, I also often wondered, you know, how is this affecting our other children, um, their faith? And it seemed like really that her illness, although there was a lot at that time, she felt fine and we could do a lot of things, but it pulled us together as a family. We did things we probably never would have done together. Um, Ipper was working from home pretty much, yeah, you were still working from home, weren't you? Uh, the first couple of years yeah. after she was yeah. He had worked from home as doing his artwork and that was really special. Have our family all be together. Have Dad be there. He he had as much input with the children as I did, and he did dishes and um, cooked eggs and 
you know, he, he was that part, he was in their lives as much as I was. And we all, it was really just a special time. Um, and when I look back, I see how neat it was that we were all pulled together by that illness. Um, but then as the children are adults, it's harder to know, you know, as a parent, you always wonder, did I really pay enough attention to this one or that one? But what I know is that God's grace is there for them. And if they can accept God's grace, which I have always prayed that they can, um, it's going to cover my shortcomings and hyper shortcomings as parents. Um, but I don't think it ever, I, my faith never wavered when she was sick. It, it was just, this is, this is life on this earth. Um, I did question God and I got mad at him, but um, he could handle it. I told him about it. Uh, well, the July, in July, right before she died, she died in August of 2004. And she had, um, she was in extreme pain. And I was, I was real, I told God, your son was only on that cross for one day. This is three days she's suffering. You know, what's, you know, what's the big, the pain of the cross and all that. And, and like I said, God loves me. God, he was, he's a big guy. He could handle that for me. And, um, I didn't feel like he was going to let go of me because of that. I, but I felt free to express that anger and devastation and kind of like, how dare you? Um, and I don't feel like he rebuked me, just loved me through. Um, I don't know with our children, you know, how that is for them. As we talk to them, as they're getting older, they're sharing more of their the hard parts yeah. for them. Yeah, it, it's been a little bit of a revelation to me. Um, you know, it's 16 years. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I think I felt pretty much like healed uh, in the first maybe four or five years. I think for Tony, it was longer. But I, I think nine or 10 years, yeah. I felt like life is regular now. But for our kids, I, I don't, you know, we knew there was no formula. There's no, there's, there's, there's no uh, rule to, as to, you know, how people are going to grieve. Uh, it, I think each of us experiences it in a unique way. And for, for our kids, there's, I guess, one of the realities that I think can be stated without reservation is that Amanda's life and death was a transformational and a, and a central defining event in their lives for all three of the other kids. It was for us too, but I, in, in a very different way. I don't think that we could compare it for Will um, we'll experience that anger toward God at the mm -hmm. end also. And, um, you know, me being who I am, I, I, a little bit, uh, detached sometimes from getting really deep into, uh, the emotion of things. And, and so I didn't even, uh, experience it in the same way that Tony did at all is, is, is really unique for each of us. But, mm -hmm. 
Um, I've understood since that day that it was the defining event uh, of their lives. Mm -hmm. I had, I didn't understand and still don't understand entirely how. Obviously, we see Will as it's been a, a theme in his ministry and his music. Mm-hmm. That that was something that uh, motivated him. Interestingly, uh, when Amanda died, Will had married Tabitha, and Tabitha mm-hmm. was really almost like a best friend to Amanda mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So Tabitha experienced that loss uh, as you know as losing a sister. No doubt about that. And so, um, you know, so their their world has has been impacted by that. Uh, Our other two kids both have been uh, in in a similar way. Angie, of course, has gone into missions. I think Amanda impacted that decision that she made to go in that direction. Uh, And... Uh, Robert has uh, kind of followed in my footsteps and working in in factories and stuff like that. And but it's it also for him it's it's clearly uh, been just uh, a really uh, important milestone in his life. What Amanda went through. Uh, but going back to you know the example that Amanda set and it. We see, I see these other kids, all three of them, doing things, taking steps of faith that I don't think I could do. And I just marvel, where did they get that faith? Because I don't, I don't feel like it really affected um, the way I looked at the at God, but we continue to talk about Amanda. Um, We love to talk about her. We love to talk about the experiences and even the hard parts we like to talk about. And um, one thing that was really touching to me is how much she's still a part of our lives. Um, I know she's with the Lord. A lot of her journals she wrote about, you know, when she's going to be with the bridegroom, she's going to be with her bridegroom. And, um, but when our one grandson, Andrew, said, I really miss Amanda. Now, he, he you know, she died how many years before, he, years was before he was born? Yeah. Um, but, and, and the other people's recipes for how to feel better, it, you, just, you just have to talk to God. For me, I just had to t- take my grief to him on my own. And when people, I don't cry in public. And when people would say, well, you don't seem to be taking it too hard. Um, you know, that's hard to hear. Yeah. But then you're walking along in the grocery store and you're in the green bean aisle and something all of a sudden triggers you and you're weeping. And the, you know, the manager of the store walks by and he, you could see he's looking at you out of the corner of his eye. like, And I'm grieving my daughter and he doesn't know. You know, I don't think there's a, a recipe, but but having other people care, uh, being around, not just staying away by myself, but going and being with my friends and people who loved Amanda, um, and having them tell us memories of her 
that was very comforting. Um, but you know, our life, our whole life is in a Christian setting. So it's hard to understand how somebody without the Lord could um, cope. I felt for the first 15 years of our uh, marriage that I had kind of missed the boat in terms of career. You know, I struggled as an artist, ended up just not not being able to make a living doing that. And, and I saw the people that I had gone to school with being really successful in, you know, lawyers and you name it, doctors and just really, really successful. And, and I uh, mourned for that a little bit. Uh, and then when Amanda got sick and we went through that and, and she went to be with the Lord, it dawned on me that that God had had arranged it so that I could look back on those years when she was growing up and I didn't have to have regrets because I was there. I, I was there every day and and I'd like I wish I could say that you know that that was my plan or it was but it was a real comfort. It was a real, real big comfort. Uh, and and I'm so thankful for that. And I think it has impacted or, or been something that has made me think about um, what I do with my life since then. I'm talking to you. That would be Cadence and Aubrey and Liam, Andrew and uh, Olivia and Bella and Jason and Eli. When they made you, they broke the mold. <laughs> And that means that you are a unique creation of God. He made you exactly the way he made you on purpose. He loves you just the way you are, just who you are. You don't have to do anything to make him love you. He loves you just how you are. And I love you too. Okay, kiddos. Uh, and I will say that Papa and I pray for you all every night. Um, we pray that you will be drawn to the Lord, that he would protect you, that he would continue to reveal to you each day um, throughout your lives what he has for you to do, because we believe that God has um, big plans for you guys. And uh, if you just stick with with him, read his word just like you do, love on each other, forgive each other, and just keep being who you are. And I love you too. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't planning on coming up here and sharing at the end, but I feel like God wants to, like, there's a reason that that story was shared. And I think it's important that we address it, that um, healing doesn't always look like we want it to look. And it's important for us as believers and headed into this next season as believers, even politically and all around us, that it doesn't look like, we, we don't know what it's going to look like. I still don't know why my sister wasn't healed the way I wanted to, and I struggled with anger with that. But when I look back now, because of the way that she, she died, 
my sister went to be a missionary and has now been on two continents translating the Bible for Jesus. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the way that she died. I would not have uh, reconciled relationships and gone forward. And so I just want to encourage you that just because things don't work out the way we think they should doesn't mean that God isn't who he says he is. I don't know why he works the day. I've had two brain tumors. Do you know that? One, I had to have a surgery and have my eye removed. And the other one, God totally healed before I even had to have a surgery. I've lost my sister to cancer. And, I, and there was another man who is like a father to me who was weeks away from death. And God completely healed him and restored him. And now he has started a whole new ministry. God can do whatever he wants. I don't know why he does some things the way he does, but I know that he's good and I know that he's faithful. And I think, can we just close our eyes right now? And if you want to stand, and I know Pastor Jordan's going to come up, but I think it's really important that we as a church surrender our lives to him in this coming season, that no matter who's president or who isn't, That no matter what laws get changed or what businesses get closed, I know that I can get through it because of what God has already taken me through. And you are good, Jesus. We in this church say that you are good in all things. We believe that you're the healer. You can heal in an instant. And sometimes things... uh, We need to talk through things with you when we don't understand things. But God, we surrender our lives to you. And I thank you that you are victorious. Your name is victory, that you do heal, that anybody in this place that is coming here struggling with grief from a loss, no matter if it was 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, Father, that you would heal today, that you would heal in the spirit, that if there's, as we walk through grief, there's many, I feel there's people that are going to be watching the service that are walking through grief that are saying, why can't I get to my my act together after this was two years ago or a year ago and God says I have your hand and I'm walking through it with you so we surrender to you God we worship you you are the king thank you for this awesome family that we get to worship today together in Jesus name amen amen can you stand up to your feet I just want to just want to bless you maybe keep your eyes open for this okay Father, I bless your people with a trust in you that is just immovable. God, that no matter what they face, that they will remember, like Will said, what you have already done in their life. I bless you with a trust in God that's immovable, with a faith in God that will not shake. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, you will know that you know that you know that God is good. God is fighting for you. God is on your side. God is healing healing you. Amen? Amen. I bless you. Have a great week. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does.